Hello and welcome to PA Traveler Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here with my co-host in studio with me, Charlie Dubs. Charlie, how you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Why don't you tell people real quick why you're here? I live in Pennsylvania. She's in Pennsylvania now. <laughs> so no more Alabama. Bye bye, Bama. And uh, she's now with me for temporarily until she gets her house in Pittsburgh. So we're getting cozy here. And the other people getting cozy is the disc golf couple. They're with us tonight. Disc golf couple, would you introduce yourselves individually and uh, just tell us what you do in your Instagram and stuff? Sure. Uh, my name is Randy Nichols. Uh, I'm 41 years old. Uh, last year, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, she has always wanted to be outside. I've been a video gamer my whole entire life. And she said, we've got to get out of this house. We've got to do something. And uh, uh, my nephew said, hey, your local court or your local park just put in a disc golf course. You need to try this sport out. And we went down and tried it one time and have been hooked on this ever since, like to passionate levels. So that's what we do. I'm Caitlin Nichols and he's very chatty. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, he found disc golf and then I went one time and we were hooked since then. So, so wait, you just started playing a year ago. Yeah. And you guys are already this good. We started Memorial day weekend of last year, 2020. Okay. Wow. But whenever you go like on your bio or whatever, you have a, is it a pro disc golf? like designation what what's that all about oh that's a pdga membership anyone can be a pdga member so yes we're pdga members but we are definitely not pro as you can see by our our instagram (laughs) yeah like i i was watching some of your videos and i just don't understand how you throw the way that you do like how does a disc golf person throw it where i don't know it seems like you curve it sometimes and other stuff like that but I don't know. It's the fluid motion. It's nothing like the little wrist toss of a Frisbee that I've ever done. It is totally different than a regular Frisbee. However, every time someone starts, they throw like a regular Frisbee. Yeah. So for the first two or three years or months that people play, the disc goes up 100 feet and falls to the left 100 feet. It's how everyone starts until they learn the proper way to throw a disc. So a normal Frisbee, bigger, super light. These are more compact basically right or what are they made out of plastic oh they're all plastic and they can go from very very rubbery to a very hard plastic and just to clear something up too when you did the uh the podcast where you mentioned us and gave us the little shout out you talked about how some people get real uppity about discs versus frisbees (laughs) there are regional sections of the country where they do get really uppity but i don't care what you call it (laughs) As long as you go out and play, because it's so dang fun, it doesn't matter if you call it a Frisbee or a disc. Um, One of the biggest professionals out there goes by Frisbee Nate. So if he can call it a Frisbee, anybody can call it a Frisbee. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know, because I was like, okay, is it frolf? Is it disc golf? Is it, you know, what's what's the nomenclature here? It seems pretty regional. Yeah, here it's disc golf. Okay. But if you say Frisbee golf, most people know what you're talking about. So Okay. Yeah, I, I just assumed like you guys met in college playing club for you know, club disc golf or whatever, and that's what you did and how you met and stuff. I was picturing this whole backstory for you, but you're like, no, it just started last year. You painted this just started last year. I mean, if you want. <laughs> we we were a pandemic disc golfers just like 
the explosion of this sport is probably 30% pandemic growth. I mean, it's enormous because people were locked inside and you could go do this without being on top of people. So that's, that's how we got into it. And there's a lot of similar stories. So do you guys have a favorite uh, course that you've played so far? Cause I know you travel all over. Um, yeah, we, I'll tell you what, out of all the traveling we've done from here to Pittsburgh up to even south, just south of Erie, our local course, the William B. Kresge Memorial Disc Golf Course is absolutely stunning and it's expanding to 18 holes here in the next six to eight months. Um, it's going to be a disc golf Mecca. It's really going to be something to see. So, yeah, that's my favorite as well. We, uh, we just looked up on UDIS. We've played 34 courses. I don't know how many states we've been to, but the one right in Tunkhannock, five minutes away, is truly the best, in my opinion, so far. Yeah. Is a course typically the 18 holes like golf, or are they shorter or more complicated? Most of them are 18 holes, but in a new community where they don't know what it is, just getting the parks to allow you to put nine holes in is is success so once you get nine holes in and the community sees how good the group is and how popular it gets you can usually go in front of the township or the county and and say hey could we expand 18 and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but it did work here they love us here that's awesome yeah like i noticed a lot of uh state parks have them and it's really weird because that was like years ago they started putting them in so they've kind of led the way in this and usually public things are kind of behind the times as opposed to in front. So like, do you know what the background is? Like why they started doing that in state parks and all that? I have no idea. I'm wondering if it's just, so we've been to Moraine out by Pittsburgh. I forget the name of it. Oh, it's Moraine state park, but the Mm -hmm. course has like Lakeview or something like that. And then there's one down by West Virginia. Where did we play with Ricky? I can't remember the name of that one, but they were, they were state parks first. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure why that, but why that is. I actually don't know. It's it's interesting. I remember my senior year of high school, they installed a disc golf course, and I had no idea what it was. We played it in school, and then I forgot about it completely. Um, and then the course went in Tunkhannock, and I still had no idea what it was until Randy mentioned it. And then it boomed from there. But it is kind of weird because there are state parks you'll go to that you never even notice disc golf baskets, and then you start to play and. You're like, when did they install this? And it's been there for 10 years. A lot of people think those baskets are fancy bird feeders. like (laughs) No, they really do. It looks like it's weird. Yeah, they do. They think they're there to keep the squirrels or the bears (laughs) off of the bird feed. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just the whole state park thing uh, was kind of amazing to me, which made it. But it made so much sense because it's like you have these, you know, you have beaches, you have all the different stuff, the hiking trails, but then you have these wide meadows that have nothing, right? And it's yes. like, well, what you can't hike it. What are you going to do? Walk across it? And it just made sense that they would just use utilize that space for something. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. And the, like the state parks that we've been to that have the courses are near cities. And I'm wondering if just it's just a population thing. So up here we have Lackawanna State Park. Mm-hmm. There's no course there, but you just got my mind going a little bit like, hey, <laughs> there's a lot of space there for a disc golf course. That's one of my goals here in the next year is I want a course. I want to put my own course into. So. Oh, OK, yeah. Maybe that's just me talking from central PA perspective, because like um, Shawnee State Park uh, mm-hmm. near Bedford, like uh, Canoe Creek in Hollidaysburg, just most of them around here seem to have it. 
So yeah, yep. maybe that's just me skewing it. But <laughs> I'm wondering if part of that too is college population. Cause it's always been pretty popular in college. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Yeah, no, no, you're, I feel like I know the answer, yeah, so. that's not a invalid thing to say. It's just, there really isn't much by way of, I mean, there's Altoona, Penn State Altoona, but that's pretty much it as far as that goes. Yep. So. Up here, it's very, very new. There's um, Misericordia University has an old course. Um, Prompton Dan, which you were talking about, Holmesdale, that's the episode you were talking about. That course is a stellar course. That is a fantastic course. That's one of the best ones in the state. It is. Yeah, it's a good one. That's good. How far apart are all of the, are they called holes or are they called? Yeah, yes. Okay. How far apart are the holes usually or does it just vary? You mean how long do you throw, like how, yeah, how long like, is the hole itself? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's a, Holes that can go up to 700 feet. Um, one of the expansions on our new course is going <laughs> to. I look at them the same way. <laughs> one of the core, or one of the expansion core, uh, holes in our course is going to be almost 600 feet. But you can go to courses. We played a course a couple weeks ago that is at an elementary school, and the first hole was 56 feet, nice. which is it was great, and I still couldn't get an ace on <laughs> It was so much fun. Those, you know, the, the 150 foot to 200 foot holes are great for beginners because a beginner can go to those and actually see some progress. 600 feet for a beginner is, is really, really tough. So the, I love the little pitch and putt courses and, and I, I don't discredit them at all. Is there any kind of trick uh, or, or way to describe the technique and throwing that you want to talk about? Like <laughs> It takes, well, the first thing is it takes so much practice and there's so many different variables, which I have a tough time with. So you'll learn one thing, like you have to keep the disc low in order for it to glide. So you focus on that and then suddenly you forget how to do your walk up. Um, one thing that we've just started to do is as you're releasing the disc, if you snap it, it goes further. So it's like there's always so much to learn and try to remember. <laughs> there, there is a very particular form, which is the difference between throwing a Frisbee with your friends and disc golfing. So it, it's a very straight, awkward looking form until the first time you get it right. And that disc goes 300 feet instead of 140 feet. And it, it's everybody who picks it up. The first thing they do is think, oh, it's like a ball. So you want to get it arced in the air discs don't work like that. They work better flat and low. So six, eight, 10 feet off the ground is where you get the distance from. So yes, it's very particular form. It's so particular. And then in, in different weather conditions, like if it's windy, you have to throw a certain disc. Um, that's the main one is if mm. it's windy, but like every hole you kind of have to evaluate on its own. You can't just have one throw for all the holes because then you yep. wouldn't be good. <laughs> But it's it's very it's interesting and it takes so much practice. Yep, you mentioned before about the discs and the way they curve and then they fly. The reason that there's fifteen hundred different discs you can buy is because every single one fly, flies different. Oh geez, it's like bowling balls. Yep. Yeah. Um, truly. It, for a right hand thrower, there's discs that turn right, there's discs that turn left, there's discs that go hundred feet, there's discs that go four hundred and fifty feet. Not by us, of course, but by people <laughs> who really they're doing um there's and that's what's so addictive about it too is it's relatively cheap like a disc is usually 20 dollars or less and you can rack up 100 200 300 discs for much less than other hobbies cost mm -hmm. so how many discs do you have 
Well, well, I can tell you that I personally have about 10, <laughs> which is more than I'll ever use. Randy has a very addictive personality, so he probably has about 300. Three to 400. Yikes. It's bananas. It's and ask him how many he throws. Oh, I throw. I have 10. A you only throw 10 <laughs> out of those? Yeah. But, I, I mean, there's discs that just look cool that you hang on the wall. Uh, I mean, there's coll the collector's market for these discs has exploded loaded right now so um there's discs you get in the mail and you put them in a frame and they never see air which is so silly but man we all do it i mean that makes sense yeah, any yeah. anybody else has jerseys or whatever hanging in their house like what's the difference you're just framing something else yeah Absolutely. and then the other cool thing is too there are ones that are that are made that you can like dye yourself like if you've seen our instagram you can paint mm -hmm. white ones and it's not painting it's a dye it's like fabric dye that you buy so we got into that for a while too where we every white disc we could find we were buying so that we could throw it and dye and and see what colors and swirls and all kinds of cool combinations you can come up with so that helps with disc buying too when does your line <laughs> come out what's that i said when does your line come out <laughs> <laughs> we aren't that good yet. No, we've had, we've had people uh, approach us. They want because a store. So say you have a disc golf store, they will approach a disc dyer and say, "Hey, why don't you get me fifteen or twenty of your discs and I'll put them in the store and I'll, they'll take a little commission off the top." Um, but we've been approached. I just don't feel like we're that good yet because if I buy ten discs that are fifteen to twenty dollars to buy, I'm getting three or four good ones out of it, real good ones. Mm -hmm. Then I'll get three or four that are okay, and then I'll get two duds out of everyone. Okay. So it's a big investment. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So can you take us like okay? So you said ace, right? When I would yes. think hole in one. So yeah, can you same thing. can you take us through some of the like terms, real quick? Okay. Um, a lot of them are the same as traditional golf. True. So you have like, well, an ace is a hole in one, but then a birdie, that's one under par. Um, par, most pars at courses are three, three shots to get in. Um, there are some par fours or par fives. When disc golf started, it was all par threes. That's how it started. It didn't matter what the hole was. And then as it's, it's gotten bigger and bigger, they've grown into par fours and there are some par fives on some courses. Um, I, there are holes that the pros play that are 1100 and 1200 feet. I mean, that for us is probably eight strokes, but the pros can, can score those three and four strokes. It's pretty amazing. Um, some of the terminology you'll hear that is different than golf is Anheuser and Heiser. And you'll hear those a lot. So those are the angle that you release the disc at. So hyzer is generally, if you're a right-hand, backhand thrower, which is the normal Frisbee throw, hyzer is angling the disc away from you. And what that does is when it goes up in the air, you get a bigger left-hand curve. Or, depending on the disc, it may they call it a hyzer flip when the disc comes out and it comes up to flat and then curves left. Um, and hyzer is the opposite angle. That's letting the air, putting the disc towards you a little bit, and that'll make your disc turn right. Usually, depending on the disc, hyzer, anhyzer, ease. And then you have terms for discs, too. Like, you can have uh, an overstable disc, and that's if you throw it straight. At the end, it'll turn left. So you might want to throw that if, say, there's a tree in your way. So you throw it straight, and then it dies left. Um, 
understable is it falls right. So you can throw it straight and then at the end it falls down to the right. Uh, yeah, it'll turn right. That This is all right hand backhand thrower. So you got to remember if you're left handed, this is all backwards. It's opposite. Oh, <laughs> so, and also if you're a forehand thrower, so there's a, a term called a flick or a forehand thrower where you throw it like you're skipping a rock at a creek. And I'm not very good at that. I can do it a little bit. Yeah, so that's exactly yeah, right. I, I saw someone do that on, I don't know if you shared somebody else's or something. It popped up in your story, I think. And somebody was doing that. And I'm like, how on earth does he throw it like that? There are some people that are so good at that. Um, I played with a couple kids last week when we were going over the course expansion. And the one kid, his name was Derek. And his forehand went 400 feet, maybe 420 feet with a forehand throw. It was amazing to see that kid. But there are some people that that's just how they're comfortable. Mm -hmm. So they pick up a Frisbee and they go, why would I turn my whole body? They, they just rip it like a rock at a creek. So just be like, no, I'm going to do this different. <laughs> I feel like I would be a forehand. I love skipping rocks. That's my favorite well, thing. There you go. And I hate throwing you Frisbee. So <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Well, now I know. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so when you start to play, forehand okay <laughs> I'm, yes. i will do nothing else i, I will be deter- <laughs> even if i'm awful i'll be like no i'm gonna get this yeah <laughs> until you putt you can't putt forehand oh, oh but. speaking of putts i saw yes. you added a jump to yours oh yes so randy's been doing it he started to practice a couple months ago i just decided to start and instead of standing still and throwing your disc to try to get it into the basket as you're like letting it go, you follow the disc. So you're jumping along with it. And it, it'll be very effective when I finally get it down. I got two so far. Um, but it, it helps because say, say you do your drive, which is your first throw, and then you do an approach, which is just to get closer to the basket. And then you putt. Sometimes my approach, which is the second shot, it'll be like a wild shot and it'll go way left or way right. So with a jump putt, even if I don't get it in, I at least I get closer to the basket. It like takes away the possibility of it going rogue on me. Yeah. You have to be, there's another term, there's circle one, which is about 30 feet from the basket. You have to be outside of circle one or you're not allowed to jump up. If you are in circle one, your feet, you have to maintain balance after the disc leaves your hand. Outside of that, as long as the disc is out of your hand before you step forward of the lie, you're fine. Okay, so you can't just like broad jump and then release it right before you hit the ground. There is no slam dunks. Oh, no. is that okay? Yeah, that'd be yeah. I I would definitely do that as like a volleyball player. I would totally do that. <laughs> That's funny. Someone would call you out. Yep. Say you had a footfall. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What happens? You lose a. You stroke get a, you or... get a stroke. First time you get a warning. Okay. Second time you get a stroke. Penalty stroke. Yeah. So if it only took you three to get in, then your score would actually be a four. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Are there there are like referees though? Are there or are there for like actual matches? Yeah. In tournaments there are. Yeah. They're not referees, but there's tournament directors, and there can be judges if it's a big enough tournament. I'm sure it's overactive people who take it way too seriously. But <laughs> uh, absolutely, I played my first yeah. sanctioned tournament a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was somebody on our card that was a little overactive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got a penalty because of it. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I threw at the wrong basket. Oh. They, I asked my card which basket we were supposed to throw at because I didn't know the course real well. And uh, I was given bad information and threw at the wrong basket. Well, I received a penalty for oh, it. Oh, okay. Because it was 
yeah, it was. It's a long story. I'm bitter about well, it, so we won't. Yeah, but on. should you be bitter because you got first place, right? No, I came in dead last. Wait, wait, what? What did you win then? Didn't you win something? I I, I didn't win. Oh no, that was that was our doubles tournament. Oh, you're not talking about that. Okay. It was just you yeah. by yourself. No, I, this was my thank you tournament I did on my own. She doesn't like competition. So she likes to play for fun. She likes to just go out and have a good time. I'm competitive, so I signed up for a tournament, and she she wasn't there for that one. But <laughs> we did play a doubles tournament when we can be paired together. We do like to do that. So, But we won. We won a doubles tournament in Tuckanic a couple, couple months ago. So, Well, how does that work? Do you uh, alternate or... Yeah, it called what's it called in golf? Like captain and captain and crew format kind of. Yeah, um, it's it's best shot doubles. So each of you get to throw a shot, and then you walk up and see what shot is better, and you take whatever one's better, and then both of you throw from that. Oh, that's cool. So we do that every Monday night in Tunkhannock. We run a doubles league. Not we run, but we have a doubles league in Tunkhannock, and uh, it's random draw. So you show up with. 16, 17 guys, and they put all your names in a hat, and they draw two out, and they pair you up randomly. So um, the one we did was a, a couples double, or what do they call that? Mixed doubles. Mixed doubles, yeah. Yeah, it sounds a lot like um, Mickey mini tournaments, mm-hmm. right, in, in volleyball. Usually it's like if, a, if yeah. a man touches it, a woman has to touch it after that, like that type of thing. Yeah, but so. they're all, all the sports do a different version of something like what you're talking about. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So with... um. With doubles, it's not necessarily like if Randy throws it, then I have to throw from sure. his. Because there are times where, like, in the tournament, I would have the better throw. Yeah. <laughs> so then he would have to throw from where I threw. <laughs> Take that, Randy. <laughs> you guys are competing <laughs> against each other. <laughs> she's, she's generally – so she doesn't throw as far as I do, but she's usually better at keeping the disc in play. Oh. So what we would do is we would have her throw first. And if she got a good one down the middle of the fairway, then I could get up and try to rip one – as far as possible and if i threw out of bounds or whatever we just took her so it's a good strategy and it worked yeah um we played another doubles tournament in at nesbitt park in wilkesbury and uh we got paired on this card with a brother and sister so they were like maybe mid no early 20s and the girl was 14 or 15 troy and anna bankus shout out um (laughs) Oh my God, were they good? (laughs) So there's all these people that show up and they have all these like disc golf outfits on and they just look so cool. And we're like, oh, please don't let us play against them. And we didn't. So we played against this little girl and her brother. So I was like, oh man, I got this. Like she's a kid. And she whooped my butt. (laughs) She's so good. We found out later she's sponsored by Dynamic Disc. So she's yeah, she sandbagging. You got a ringer here. And 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 the boy, even though he he wasn't sponsored or anything, he probably has thrown the disc further than anyone I've ever seen in person. My God, could he throw a disc? But I was like hoping to go against them because I was like, oh, we got this, and we did not. (laughs) So which which uh, was he? Was he a rock skipper or a backhander? He was a backhander. Oh, okay. So there's not really a true like. Oh, if you can master it, one is better than the other or anything. No. Okay. No. To be a true master, you got to be able to do them both. Because oh. when you when you forehand, your discs want to curl right. So when you throw up to a hole and it's, you know, in golf, it's called a dog leg right. Mm-hmm. So in disc golf, if you have a forehand, a dog leg right is no big deal. If you have a backhand, your disc is always trying to go left at the end. So a dog leg right is a nightmare. Hmm. 
And if you wind up in the woods, which yeah. I do a lot behind trees, sometimes you need that little flick to get out if you don't have like good clearance on the left hand side. So you kind of have to know both. I'm not any good at forehand yet. I'll You're keep on, on practicing, it. but. So you need both. And then you also need to know which discs do what. And man, that's that's a lot of practice. There is a lot, but the thing about it is it's so dang fun that that's all you want to do is practice. Mm -hmm. Like last year, every day I work a swing shift and uh, every day I was off, that's what I did. I played disc golf and we're talking some days I was playing 54 holes in a day. Like I would go from Tucanic to Waverly and I go to Wilkes-Barre and play a few there. That's what we did or I did last year. She works a day job. So I catch up with her. After she gets done and we'll hit Tunkhannock or Waverly and then weekends, weekends is when we'll travel to um, Philly. We've got to get down to Sedgley, Sedgley Woods. I don't know if you've heard of that, but mm -hmm. it's one of the one of the earliest disc golf courses in the, in the country, actually. And it's supposed to be fantastic. And we had a scheduled trip to go there last year and uh, we looked at the forecast. We had four days to go and it was down for us all four uh. days. So I looked, I, and I, we don't mind playing in the rain, but a downpour for four days is too much. So we looked at the map and the weather map and Pittsburgh was clear. So we went out there instead. Pittsburgh has always had a very high level of disc golf out there. There's been tournaments out there for years. Um, there are some beautiful courses out in Pittsburgh. Well, I guess I know what I need to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you get to Pittsburgh. Yep. Yes. <laughs> There's a famous video on YouTube. I can't remember. It's called the Ice Bowl 1997 or something, and it's a Pittsburgh City course. It's right in the middle of the city. I can't remember the park right now. But it was like 8 degrees, and then I think by the end it was negative like 4 degrees. And these guys are playing with big winter gloves on it. I don't know how they managed to get through that. That's a nightmare. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's probably like didn't fly very far that day. <laughs> I can't but imagine. Playing in the Playing in the snow is tough. Um, we, uh, we did it all winter this year. Um, you have to put something on your disc because they slide under the snow. So when you throw them, we, we tie Christmas ribbon to them about two or three feet of Christmas ribbon. And then when they sink under the snow, the ribbon sticks out. Oh, so you okay. can see that no matter what now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just bedazzle them all the time. <laughs> the kite yeah. Because you're like never going to, if you normally throw 300 feet when it's cold and your muscles are tight and the discs are real hard and the air is real Mm, it just they fly real real weird so you just put the ribbon on and take the loss of distance and just go have fun some people will put carpenter's chalk on their disc so when it goes in the snow it leaves like a blue puff mm. but you have to do something because <laughs> the first throw you throw you'll never find your disc again oh, man. so like are are you allowed to do things to the discs like what what is what are the rules that like what are the you can't do this type so, of things you are not allowed to modify the disc in any way. So that's just fun snow rounds. Now, from what I just read here the other day, um, if you get to a tournament and there's three inches of snow that has just fallen, the tournament director can modify the rules to let you tape a piece of ribbon on your disc or put chalk on it. But normally it's not allowed. Okay. There's well, that's not, in tournaments. Yeah, there's which, not a lot of tournaments in the winter. That would be a real outlanding yeah. situation. I, sure. think, I think we need to make that a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool there you can also put uh lights on for glow rounds which we just had a glow round the other night too um she yeah. loves oh, the glow so. was, <laughs> is that at tunkanic or was it a different yep. course no we yep. did it at tunkanic june 26th we have another one coming july 24th that we host the glow rounds um 
like, <laughs> it's so cool. I have one right here that's got a little LED. I don't know if you can see that, yeah. but you just cool. LED to it, or they have just a glow. So you carry a LED or a black light flashlight and glow your charge your disc up and play so, at night. So you're in a pitch pitch black field just throwing discs in it. Actually, I always do better at night, which is weird. And I think it's because you can't see the trees. So then you don't accidentally target fixate on them. Mm -hmm. You just kind of throw it and you see yeah. it hit the ground and it's great. The, bas <laughs> the baskets are lit up also. Oh, well, I have the perfect solution for you then. Just walk up and when you're about to tee off, just shut your eyes. <laughs> just throw it and see what happens. It, I'll it, have to try that. I'll <laughs> post a video. There you go. <laughs> Like every sport, so much of it is mental. So you look at a tree, you're gonna hit the tree. You, it's just, it's just how it is. All sports are like that. So, so see the space between the tree. Correct. Yes. It's very Taoist, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we have at Tunkanic, there's a hole that runs right along the Tunkanic Creek, and it is not a hard hole. It's a straight, normal shot. It's not even that far. I put the disc in that creek. I bet you 40% of the time. I think it's a little bit higher than that. Might be. <laughs> when we first started playing there on our Instagram, there's all these videos of me in the creek up to my waist, getting my disc and throwing from the creek because I refuse to take a penalty stroke. But just your brain knowing it's there. You, you shank the shot into the creek. I do it all the time still. So I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> How many discs have you guys lost? I have lost... Now four, but that has just become a recent thing. So in the disc golf community, you write your name and your number on the bottom of the disc. 90% of the time, if somebody finds your disc, they will text you and return it to you. No problem. Good. When you're playing in a public park and you're throwing into a creek next to a swimming hole, now there's all kinds of kids and teenagers that see these discs in the creek. Um, I heard a kid the other day say, I have a whole stack of these at home. And I'm like, oh, my favorite deflector is in there. Like it's in there. I know you have my disc. Where do you live, kid? I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah. Show me your disc. Um, and part of it's just because people still don't know what disc golf is. They don't know what those baskets are. When you get to the park, I was at the park yesterday and there was a person sitting in a chair with all her stuff spread out around her 10 feet from the basket. So they just don't know what it is. They don't know that. People are going to want to play there. They don't know that these discs in the creek cost us $20 a piece or $15 a piece. So they just don't think about it. They just think it's a Frisbee, mm -hmm. which they give away at State Farm Insurance when you go in for a quote. You <laughs> oh, know, okay. they don't, they're specialized. They, you know, it is what it is. But some of the education is going to go along with that, like uh, drop boxes. I think I'm going to put a drop box next to the swimming hole that just says, please return lost discs. And hopefully that'll fix the problem. But, you know, there's easy fixes to a lot of this to this being so new. And part of it's just getting people involved, which I don't know if you guys watch ESPN, but the PDGA Worlds was last weekend. I saw that one that the Did guy you got see the that? ace. So, yeah. well, so that was oh. James Conrad, and that is, and it's being voted amongst a lot of sports now as the greatest moment in not just disc golf history, but in sports history. It was incredible. So James yeah. Conrad threw in a putter from 247 feet out into the basket, which he had to have to even have a chance at winning. And he threw it into the basket. Now- The basket that he couldn't see yeah, because he, the sun was in his eyes. Geez. So yeah, it was- He's just saying that. <laughs> it, it was 
absolutely amazing. You'll never see that again. I mean, it's just, and then he ended up, it went into a tie and then they went into a playoff and he ended up winning worlds with this throw and it made ESPN sports center number one moment of the weekend or whatever I, whatever they do. And, uh, it just because of that moment, it's going to even get bigger. And then MVP disc sports went from a moderately cool company to all of a sudden, bam, they have it made right now. They can't make enough desks. Nobody can make enough desks. So if you go now to any of the online retailers, um, the big companies are out of desks. They, they have none, zero. Uh, it's, it's amazingly difficult to get a hold of this right now. That's good. So your, uh, your oops discs, the tie-dye, <laughs> like the dyed ones? How yep. much are you going to put those on eBay for? Well, that's, that's, you know, that becomes part of it. So you're in all these groups on Facebook. Hey, do you have an Axiom Defy? And that disc that I showed you with this, that this was a practice die. I said, that's a Defy. And I said, oh, yeah, I've got one. I've got one. I've got one. And they're like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Too bad it's so ugly. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It was a practice disc. If you want to Who cares? Control, you want it. You know? like, <laughs> it's, you want it's just, I got it. That one, yeah. would, well, that one would be easy to find. You could you could flip that and be like, no, there are benefits. <laughs> it would be easy to find. So absolutely, that's funny. That's so, awesome. like, can you take us through a hole, real quick, like from start to finish? Um, I mean, yeah, we can. It's it's. Say you you show up at Tunkhannock at Lazy Brook and you want to go to and play disc golf. So you see the big sign that says the William B. Kresge Memorial Disc Golf Course. You walk up, you see the sign that tells you how far it is. Hole one is 265 feet, I think, 265. So for a beginner, you look at that and you go, oh, my goodness, that's a long way. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's a concrete tee pad on the ground where we, we have the pleasure of having concrete tee pads. So when people put in courses and they can just barely afford to put in courses, usually the thing that they will let go is the tee pads and they'll say, we'll come back to that later. And there are courses out there, for instance, um, mountaintop, the American Legion, what an amazing course in the woods, very difficult, very wooded course. You're throwing discs through the woods, trying not to hit trees. Um, their tee pads need a little work though, but, that's what usually happens. So at Kresge, you get up there, you see these nice concrete tee pads that are all swept off. You look down there, you got your basket just to the right of a tree. So on the right, there's a parking lot, which do you remember in the beginning when we were learning? Those cars get in your head. And I see people do it still to this day. They, it's called a grip lock. When you go to throw your disc and it goes, your hand doesn't let go in time and it goes way, way right out towards the cars. It happens, but hole one, open shot, straight down the middle. There's a big tree on the left, and then there's a basket right next to the tree. And if you throw your disc at a real high hyzer angle up to the right, that'll drop in right next to the basket. So that's your drive, and it's a par three. So hopefully you're close enough to have a putt. You grab a different disc for your putter. There, The putter is a thicker. It's a little taller. It's sometimes softer. And... That's a different form also. Putting is a little different form. So you saw her jump putt. Right. So if she's more than 30 feet away on her drive, she can throw a jump putt at that basket and hope it goes in. And um, if you're a little closer, you just throw in a regular putt and hope you hopefully you hit the chains. And when those discs hit the chains, they the chains catch it. So they tend to grab a hold of the disc and then it falls down into the basket. Oh, so, what happens if it doesn't? I, I've seen them take, shank off like they they yeah. hit it and it looks like they're in, but it doesn't catch. Is that it'll cause 
it's a spit out. And so it's another stroke. Ah. And you die inside a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. If, if you throw it and it lands on top of the basket, it doesn't count. It has to go inside the basket. Which is so incredibly rare. And then I had it happen to me twice in like a week. So it was, it's so weird to do that, but yep, it has to be in the basket or hanging in the chains. So what happens if it hits, like they're above the ground, right? So there's like right. a pole underneath. Yep. What if it hits the pole and sticks there like horseshoes? Like what do you, no, how do you still have to pick it up and put it in the basket? Well, That's a stroke. Do you sit it in or like how, how do you, do you have to no, like toss so just... it up from underneath and let it go no, in the no, air and go? No, your, your foot has to be, your lie is the disc, if you take an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper behind the disc, part of your foot has to be in that. So you walk up, you grab your putter and you drop it in the basket. Oh, okay. And it's a stroke. Bummer. <laughs> it is a bummer. Yes. Hole, hole one is one of the easier holes. Um, we have hole seven at Tunkhannock, which is kind of a signature hole that there's a small little pavilion. They used to have picnic tables and stuff underneath it. It had lattice work around it, but they don't use it anymore. So there's a pavilion in front of you, and then there's a whole line of trees down the left. That's a tough one. So that's one you don't just walk up and go, oh, I got a straight shot at the basket. You have to curve a disc right around that pavilion, which for a right-handed person is hard to do. And uh, it's amazing when people do it. <laughs> So, but to score, I, I guess the hard part about it is get, playing for par isn't bad. That's that's not relatively hard. Um, as a beginner, it is. But when you want to start scoring birdies and getting below par, that's when things get hard because your drive has to get within. For some people, it's 15, 20 feet of that basket to be a guaranteed point, like a, a negative point, a birdie. So, um, <laughs> You can go and play for par all day and, and you'll be all right. But even at Tunkhannock, which isn't a difficult course, for a beginner, you're going to score 10, 11 over in 18 holes. No problem. And and if you're not playing in a tournament, who really cares? I mean, the only thing that keeps track of that is the app UDISC, which has the records for the course on there. And, you know, I don't really hold much clout into them because I can go and take that app and say, I just shot 14 mm. under and just... <laughs> hit submit and it goes in so you see some courses and some scores you go come on mm -hmm. but, but there are guys around that are that good <laughs> i have a question there was a video you guys posted and kate you threw the disc and it hit your car where were you then <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, at waverly just golf course that's um that's about a half an hour away from us <laughs> that's right next to where she works i was like so Oh, man. <laughs> so and it was so loud. I knew as soon as I let go, it was going to hit my car. <laughs> it was so loud. So there's a story behind that, too. And, and what had happened was the ultimate is getting an ace. It's getting a hole in one. That's the ultimate. So we started a year ago. In about six months, I started getting bit by this need to have an ace. I, I want one so bad. So a couple months ago, we went down to Salford. Upper Salford, um, I think it's just south of Allentown. And it's this nice little park course. And it's all shorter holes, though, um, which I was like, come on, let's go down there and see if we can get an ace today. So we played this course. We played this course. We're coming up to hole, I forget what, a 17. Uh, well, it was the second time. Yeah. 17 or whatever it was. And there's this old couple sitting on a bench, like 15 feet from the hole. And so we've got the video recorder going. 
And uh, I said, I'm going to walk down for your throw and just stand in front of them just in case so you don't hit these these old folks. <laughs> and I turned around with the video camera and I'm talking to the old man in the video. I said, I'm just going to stand here just so you guys don't get hit. And they said, yeah, no problem, whatever they said. She ripped that disc over my head and she got an ace. Right. And like on camera, she got a hole in one and it was incredible to see. But I've played probably four times as many rounds as she has. And I still don't have. So we went to Waverly because hole nine at Waverly is like 140 yard easy, not an easy throw, but it's a very aceable hole. And we were just standing there like ripping discs at this basket, trying to get an ace on camera. And she lets that go. And I, as soon as it left her hand, I go, uh Oh, and she, you can hear her screaming and it hits the car. It's so loud. <laughs> thank goodness it hit below the window, but it yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, that's and good. thank goodness. I don't care about yeah. dents and stuff in my car. Cause if I did, that would have been pretty traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> but that was us chasing an ace. Yeah. Him chasing me. Well, I already <laughs> what was the old couple doing there? Were they playing too? They were watching a soccer game. Oh, okay. It was, a, it was a very busy park. And that's one of the things with disc golf in the park is a lot of these parks are shared and people are picnicking right in the middle of the fairways. And we at Tunkhannock, we have people that park their cars right in the middle of the fairways. Oh. And it's because they just don't know we're there. They just mm-hmm. don't know what the basket is or what we're doing. And um, they were just sitting there watching a soccer game. So. Um, most people would have skipped the hole and I said, ah, if I'm down there, you're not going to hit them. But the best part is that I throw it, it goes in, it hits the chains. I freak out like legitimate freak out because I was so excited. And Randy turned to the old couple and he was like, oh my gosh, you just got an ace. And they could not care less. (laughs) They were like, cool story, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Leave us alone. The lady turned around and she goes, my, that just went in. <laughs> that, was it. that was it. Well, it's, so. it's just uh, the reason I asked that is the only time I've ever seen anyone play in real life was like they had to have been upper 70s and they were playing. And, and you talked about the little kids and I'm like, OK, so it has nothing to do with strength, probably like muscle, you know, strength. Yeah. But it's just amazing. It can be that accessible from that little to that old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So a lot of the people that play were in this when it started in the late 70s, early 80s. They've been doing this since then. And there's a couple older guys around that show up to our league night. And man, are they fun to play with. But their style is different. And it's just a different game for them. This was this was part of the hippie movement. Like it was very hippie. It just that's where it got real, real popular in the late 70s, early 80s. So, yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything we missed? About disc golf? I, how big is the tee pad? They, they can be different everywhere. Usually they're about four by eight feet. Um, Tunkanicus ours are a little small, but with the expansion, we're trying to get them made bigger. But there are some places that don't have any at all. Like people will lay down six pavers and you'll have like a foot just to plant your foot. So they, they usually, I mean, perfect would be concrete four by eight. You just kind of adjust to whatever's yeah. there. Sometimes it's just dirt or little carpet remnants. Rubber so. mats, yeah. Well, before we move on, um, do we, we we talked about some like your ultimate favorite, but what are some of the other best ones around the state? Maybe if you can pick in just a couple different corner like areas. 
I actually do this all the time because I'm like, what's your top five favorite courses? Yeah, I'm not trying to put that pressure on you, but you know, if you want to go around the state a little bit, let us know. Sure. Yeah, so over by Pittsburgh, there's Buell Park. It's B-U-H-L. And that's just beautiful. It's so pristine, um, so well taken care of. Same thing, it's a shared park, so you have people walking, um, but just such a pretty park. That was a championship level course. There was some monster holes there, like, and, yeah. but but it was so beautiful that it was so nice to play. Mm-hmm. So that's that that was northwest of Pittsburgh, just on the border of Ohio. Yeah. Um, where else do we got? Down in Allentown, what's that one called? Covered, Covered Bridge. Covered Bridge. Yep. That that's super nice. We went and played on Randy's birthday, which is in November, and it was so windy. And wind can really make disc golf miserable, but that course was so nice that we just smiled and had such a good time the whole time because it was such a nice course. Yep. Uh, Allentown is a bustling area for disc golf. There's there's probably 20, 30 courses down there. There's a course called Jordan Creek that they've had some real big pro tournaments at. Um, it's supposed to be one of the top in the country. I've been there three times, and every time I've been there, I've pulled into the parking lot, and the sky has opened up, ah. and just and, – and so I haven't been able to play it yet. Bummer. But there's a lot in Allentown. Up here – uh, mountaintop is great. That's the one I mentioned. Tee pads are not great, but the woods of golf is great. Um, that's the American Legion. Yeah. American mountaintop. Legion mountaintop. Um, out in Pittsburgh, there was Moraine state park. That's like a, a destination course. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when we disc golf, it rains because <laughs> I, I was just thinking of playing Moraine and it definitely rained that day. It was very yeah, soupy, no. the ground. Don't go a place that has rain in the name. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh my goodness. I didn't even <laughs> think of that. <laughs> oh, Hickory Run State Park. That's another destination course. Uh, that's another one of your state park courses. That's a great course. Um, there, there's so many. And I, I guess to, to eat more easily answer the question, there's only a couple we've been to that weren't any good. And, and that was just because of maintenance. And sometimes in the summer, you'll run into courses. One of our local courses, the back nine is a butterfly preserve. So they're not allowed to cut down the brush. So the back nine is unplayable during the summer. But in the fall and the spring, it's beautiful. It's so much fun. But um, if the courses are taken care of, there's very few that are really no good. Like people who play disc golf take it with pride and they go in and they take care of their courses and they, and they clean up and they pick up the litter and they just make sure that everyone can have a good time. So you see that a lot when, when they're put in, they're taken care of and they're kept up. So how, how long do the baskets last? Um, That's a good question. I, I would, I would venture to say as long as no one screws with them, they'll last forever. Okay. I mean, they're they're galvanized or stainless steel. So as long as they're mounted correctly and um, kids don't hang off of them in the middle of your shared park, which <laughs> we see quite often, they'll last forever. We had one got hit, uh, somebody backed into it here a couple of weeks oh. ago at my local. So we had to fix it. But I mean, they'll last forever. Now, when you when when one is installed, do they they do the concrete on the bottom and then put the pole in and everything or you, you don't have to. But. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get a course put in. So I bought a permanent basket for our backyard just to learn how to install it. And I dug a hole and put a sonnet tube in the ground and filled it with concrete. And yep, that's, I did it right here in the backyard and it worked great. So yes, most of them are mounted in concrete. 
That's awesome. Well, I mean, from what you're talking about, going to different ones around the state and everything, that is a form of tourism. I mean, you're you're sure. going there and there's stuff to do and eat and all that stuff around it. So it's not just the disc golf itself. Um, oh, so to perfectly transition, <laughs> what's there around the beautiful, pristine, Tonkanic one? Because that's where you're at. So um, like, what is there to do other than that? So we have the Dietrich Theater, um, which is a very historic theater. I'm not much of a moviegoer, but I know the people from outside of the area will travel here to see the Dietrich Theater. Um, there's a lot of ri- the river river access right here. A lot of kayaking, a lot of boating, a lot of fishing. Um, we have uh, the Howland Preserve. There you go. That's um that's two miles from our house. It's one of my favorite places to go. It's not a state park, but it's an open park, um, a lot of hiking trails, a lot of biking, um, mostly in Tunkana, it's a lot of outdoor activities, yeah. outdoor activities and Walmart. In Walmart. <laughs> that sounds like all of Walmart. Yeah. We have a super Walmart now. So <laughs> the, in terms of food, I'm going to plug Pompeii's pizza. I'm a pizza aficionado. That's where <laughs> I want to go when we go anywhere to eat. Even I spent some time in California and part of my goal out there was to find great pizza places. And I, I like the little hole in the wall strip mall joints. Those are the ones I like. And we have Pompeii's pizza right in, in downtown Tunkanic. It's the best pizza I've had in the entire country from here to California. Antonio's yeah. pizza. We have a lot of pizza. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Pompeii's doesn't take credit cards if you come up to Tunkana. Oh, Great no. That's, that's, a, that's a no-no for me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. Welcome to 1980. <laughs> but the pizza's worth going to the ATM. Well, I totally uh, agree with what you're saying. I lived in California and Texas, and the pizza was trash. Both places. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I didn't find a good pizza the whole time I was in California. Mexican food was amazing, though. It was. <laughs> I'm from well, that's what I had the first night I was there. And we have What's excellent that? pizza. Just just so you know, Chicagoland has excellent pizza. Oh, <laughs> that's, I tell you what, I've never had a Chicago deep dish, a real one. I've had the Uno version, but I've never had a real one. They're okay. The, yeah. the tavern style thin crust, excellent. Oh, really? Ooh, okay. Excellent. Good, good. We'll have to go to Chicago now, <laughs> travel out there. <laughs> <laughs> what else besides pizza? Are there other establishments around? We have a lot of events that go on too. Um, so the Wyoming County Fair, that's in Mishapin, so that's like 10 minutes away from us. That's Labor Day weekend. And that's cool. We have rides there, a ton of vendors that can get out. Founders Day just passed. Um, that's in downtown Tunkanic. That's pretty much every shop in downtown Tunkanic sets up a booth. You can come down, there's food trucks. Um, I guess that takes me to Creekside Gardens, which is this beautiful garden center in Tunkanic. And they have food truck Fridays, which is one day a month. They bring in like 10 food trucks and they have live music. You can look at all of their amazing plants. Um, they have farmer's markets every weekend. Yeah. So that's Creekside Gardens is a really nice. It's hard to talk about traveling where you live. <laughs> yeah. You travel to other places. And, uh, you know, it's, we don't have any like landmark restaurants here anymore i don't think no it's all small stuff but like mm-hmm. chinese buffets pizza sure. and mcdonald's there, there really isn't i mean we have the fireplace restaurant which has been a staple of the community for many many years that's russell hill they call it up there but mm-hmm. in terms of landmark restaurants there i don't think there is any 
Twigs, maybe. Oh, Twigs. I oh, can't forget Twigs. People travel from all over to come to Twigs. It's a sandwich shop, uh, or not like a deli, but it's a sandwich restaurant. A lot of people, like corporate people, eat at Twigs a lot. So you'll see, you'll go in there and see a whole table of suits eaten. So it's that's interesting. I forgot about them. Yeah, I don't know how many people come for the food. Um, as I said, the outdoor activities, just overall, the landscapes in Tunkhannock are beautiful. We're in the endless mountains. So pretty much every direction that you look is gorgeous. So I think that that brings people in the Dietrich Theater, as Randy said, because yeah, that's what's, a theater. Uh, what's special about the, the theater? The theater, I, I don't know the founding or anything of it. It was open when I was a kid. So I'm a lot older than she is. She probably doesn't remember this. So. I do remember. When, you remember when yes, it was open before? I do. Well, so when I was a kid, it was open and it was just one screen and it was an older building. And then it closed for, gosh, 20 years, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years. It was closed. And then a local organization took over and got it reopened and, and updated it a little bit. But there's some history behind there. Like I, I said, think I, it was like 1930. Like it's a very old building. Um, and yeah, they've just kept up with the times. They have these film festivals twice a year. So that brings a lot of people in from out of town. It's just a really nice historic building. Which uh, which part of the state is, I mean, Tarkanic is up like northeast, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, what's, yeah. what's the biggest city that you're near? So Scranton, Wilkes-Barre and Tarkanic make a big triangle. Oh, okay. We're north of Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. So whenever we travel and someone says, Tarkanic, where's that? I always... Just tell them, do you know where the office was filmed? We're a half an hour <laughs> from the office where the office was filmed in Scranton. Yeah. Yes. Top northeast corner. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, what's what about uh, if you go outside of your extended area a little bit? What do you guys like to do in the surrounding cities? Disc golf. They like disc, disc golf. Disc golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what did they do for the first 40 years? I mean... <laughs> I like to bike and I really like to go on walks. So once again, I'm, I'm an outdoors buff. So you get a lot of that from me. Um, what did we do before disc golf? It's kind of hard to remember. <laughs> we, we rode bicycles. Oh, motorcycling. That's our other hobby, which has kind of taken a backseat. So we used to jump on the motorcycles a lot um, and go into New York and New Jersey and stuff. But in the in the real surrounding area, so you have Wyoming County, then you have Susquehanna County, which there's not much there. And then you have Bradford County, and there's not much there. And then you have <laughs> Sullivan County, and there's not much there. So we're just we're, – we're on the border of that rural woodsy stuff where they're, they're really – it's just mostly outdoors stuff um, yeah. a lot of hunting and stuff which we're not hunters or anything but there's a lot of people come from out of town um, we have some good friends that we've met on instagram from philadelphia that have mountain houses up here in Dushore where they come up and hunt for a week and, and there's a lot of that um, when the gas and oil boom came in um, a lot of people ended up here from the south and so it's changed the landscape a little bit to it used to be when you would walk through Tunkhannock, you knew two out of the three people that you saw. And I even said to her the other day, we were we were at Walmart or Ace Hardware or something. And I didn't know a single person in there. And that was odd because it's just changed the landscape. Um, I, I, I don't you know, there's. Scranton and Wilkesbury, even down in Scranton and Wilkesbury is your typical smaller city setups. They have, you know, the baseball field and the hockey field, but there's no concert venues. There's there's nothing like that up here. It's you play disc golf or ride your motorcycle or <laughs> or travel to Philadelphia tra or travel <laughs> travel outside of the area. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, occasionally we run into that. Um, it, it is hard to talk about the place that you're from, I think, because yeah. I was the same way. Like, oh, Altoona, it's woods. <laughs> you have stop, you know, and I had to really think about it. Like, what yeah. what is there? And then I realized, whoa, there is a lot to do, actually. I just never really thought about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, down in Altoona, you have I'm a drummer also. I went to college for music and, and I've been a musician for a long time. But there's a drum shop down by you that we've come, gone and visited called HHG Drums. And the owner is Sam Thoreau. And oh, what a what a builder he is. Oh, what a craftsman and artist. That guy makes some beautiful drums. Jeez, I don't even know where that is in the city. I've never even heard that or seen yeah, a he sign. Just bought a shop. He was working out of his house and he just bought a shop. So it, hopefully you'll hear of him soon. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. What kind does he make? Snare drums mostly, but he does make drum sets out of it. He's a carpenter. He started as a carpenter and his woodworking is just, it's amazing. Awesome. Is there anything we missed about disc golf while we're at it? I can talk about disc golf for 12 hours. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's so beginner friendly and it's so experience friendly that it doesn't matter if you've never thrown a disc in your life. Um, we've had guys that have asked us to play that have never played disc golf, but uh, the comment is I'm really good at throwing a Frisbee. And uh, then they come and play disc golf and see that it's, that doesn't really help y'all too much. No, <laughs> so yeah. um, it, stuff like that happens all the time. But what if, it, what if you really suck at throwing a Frisbee? Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't even matter too, because it's different. I still can't throw a frisbee. We went down to Lazy Brook the other day, and Randy's like, "Oh, let's not play disc golf. Let's just throw a frisbee." And I was like, "I literally don't know how to throw this frisbee." <laughs> I was doing this weird hop thing, trying to get it to go to him. Like, so even if you can't play frisbee, try yeah. disc golf. Is it because <laughs> of the weight disparity? I it no. might be that I it's, don't even know. Like a solid disc. It's a different disc. It's a different mechanic. Yeah. But what I will say is, if anyone wants to try it, you can get a starter kit of discs for thirty bucks, twenty five or thirty dollars, and it's free to play. It's free to play. So that's the other attraction. When you want to play golf and you show up at oh our local golf course, Shadowbrook. People come here from around to play Shadowbrook Golf Course. It's a very high-level course, same as Stonehenge. Okay, back. Um, <laughs> it, when you show up at Shadowbrook and you want to play 18 holes, it's 40 bucks, 45 bucks. Disc golf, you walk up, and it's free. You walk up to the tee and you play, and you can play all day for free. So that's the other real attraction. You can get into it for $30 and really never have to buy another disc. But you can get into it like we did, too, and – like he did. <laughs> Immerse yourself, yeah. Immerse and just become obsessed with it. So Yes. <laughs> What's the color what what type of disc do you uh shine every night and you kiss it? <laughs> Which one is that? Is that a gold disc? Is that I I have a couple favorites, but as you get better, your discs change. So you have to you like you can't take your her first disc is is like she could never throw that now days because her arm speed has gotten so much faster and I'm the same way like I'll go and play and I'll have my favorite disc and the next time I go to play I've warmed up or I've fixed something in my form and the disc is totally different then so uh it it just you know you can't get too attached plus if you throw it in the creek it's gone so. right <laughs> what what are the most common disc golf injuries tennis elbow okay what if you already um, have it <laughs> 
If you already have it, you're going to have a bad time. I hurt myself shooting a hoop once, and my elbow has been very bad ever since. Oh, Do you just wear a sleeve or? The Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. I mean, Simon Lazat has a sleeve. Yeah. Because he hurt could. his Or am I basically going to be terrible? No matter what. It's going to hurt. Okay. It's probably going to hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forehand. That's yes, right. Forehand. I, think, I think the forehand is worse on a tennis elbow. Darn it. Tennis elbow. And this year, you know what the biggest injury has been? Ticks. Ticking. Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. How many times have we talked about ticks on this podcast? Ticks type. It's just, I've never seen, like, I've never had one my entire life. Yeah. And I got one this year. It's just in they're, you they're, or just you saw it was crawling it was on in you. My arm. Yeah, it was in the back of my I arm. had to pick it out. Yeah. One of my coworkers just got diagnosed with Lyme disease. Uh, um, one of the guys that we play with just got Lyme disease. It's it's crazy. The text this year. It, mm. I told Randy today, it almost seems inevitable yeah. that you're going to get one. I played with three guys yesterday and the one guy that wore jeans got home, he had a tick in his leg. So just be careful with those ticks because you will inevitably throw a disc into the brush and have to go <laughs> looking for it. Oh. So they're every Wait, yeah. so you, the first whole hour of this, you really wanted people to go. And now <laughs> they don't yeah. want to go anymore. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. do you spray or yeah. what? Yeah, you use spray. And, and it, it, it still happens? Just, oh, man. Just have somebody check you when you're done. Okay. That's tick it. Tick checks. Tick checks. That's Very it. important. The market tick tights. That's yep. it. We're yep. Done. Tick tights. PA Traveler, PA Traveler tick, tights. tick tights. It's coming. That's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> Love that. So, well, I guess we're getting to the end, but... I mean, thank you guys so much for yeah. coming on. Um, can you can you plug your stuff again? Sure. Um, our Instagram is at Disc Golf Couple. Um, that's all we really do. People have talked about YouTubes and this and that. We, we have a hard time keeping up with one Instagram. Yeah. Um, since you gave me the opportunity to plug, I will plug that um, in an in an attempt to leave the corporate world, I've become a disc golf retailer in the last two to three weeks. I'm currently building inventory now. I will have a set or a website launching on uh, July 15th. It'll be on our Instagram. If you follow us there, you'll be able to see it. And I hope to become the only disc golf retailer in the Northeast PA, which right now I am. So <laughs> don't anybody get any ideas. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just hoping to be really big and, and I'm hoping to be able to leave the corporate world to do this because it is, we are passionate about it and, and I could do this all day, every day. And so, um, there's a market for it. There's a need for it and I want to jump on it and hopefully I can do that and even become more of growing the sport. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So keep track of them on their Instagram page and watch that happen. I mean, I thought so I was I, kidding when I said, when's your line coming out, but I wasn't that no, far off. <laughs> no, I, in fact, all around us there's boxes full of discs that i have to put onto our websites or my website so awesome. great well maybe we so, can in my accountant all right well maybe so, there can be a pa traveler line one day yeah yes. you can always get a stamp put on a disc oh you can okay yep well yeah that's a really good idea huh <laughs> okay <Great>. well good <laughs> so yeah i mean thanks thanks for having us having you guys on yeah thanks for coming on no thanks thank you so it was much a lot of fun and uh, I guess we will see you later. Yeah, Sounds thanks. Sounds great. See Bye -bye. you down the road. Bye, guys.